0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2, on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Let's talk about climate change now and the cost of climate change. Brand new report out this morning from 25 BC-based organizations and academics says the cost of climate change in British Columbia is massive when you consider forest fires, Flooding, extreme weather, other climate change related emergencies. The group has put out a new report raising the alarm about the cost to BC taxpayers from these rising costs to deal with the effects of climate change. They want the fossil fuel companies to pay for it. They are demanding a Climate Compensation Act to require fossil fuel companies to pay at least partially for the costs of climate change. Uh, we got a great panel assembled for you on this now. First, let's go to Andrew Gage. He is a staff lawyer with West Coast Environmental Law, part of the groups that uh, put out this report today. Andrew, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, tell me about the cost of climate change. Can you quantify it? What is the cost and how much is it?
1: Well, I mean, I think part of what we were asking the province to do was to uh, do a better job of really exploring that. But we do know that the uh, wildfires in 2017 and, and 2018 uh, cost well over a billion dollars to respond to and that scientists at UVic say that they were 7 to 11 times larger as a result of climate change. And, and the province also put out a report last summer looking forward to to ex- expected climate costs and disasters uh, in the future and found that by 2050, the, the likelihood of that type of wildfire uh, was significantly increased, and we should expect them every few years. Um, so what these, about, these this, what about this cost. year,
0: though? What about this year, though? The cli- the forest fires weren't as bad this year. What happened? Which is
1: great. Uh, I know well, yeah. climate
0: change isn't a... How do, how do you know it's how do you know it's climate change if uh, if we didn't have many as bad a forest fire year this year?
1: So so I mean, what what the scientists at UVic did was to to model you know what the weather patterns had been and and whether those were likely to have been changed by climate change. Climate. Climate change is not a, you know, things will be hotter every single year. We always have weather where it gets colder some years and warmer other, other years. But the trend uh, is, uh, and, and, uh, is towards more wildfires, hotter uh, summers, uh, you know, more erratic weather. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, the, the wildfire service has, you know, has been saying that the, the every year, the, the length of the wildfire on a, uh, season on average you know, it lengthens by another day or two. So,
0: so, therefore, make the fossil fuel companies pay for it. Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, not all of it. I mean, you know, clearly we're all going to end up paying for this, but right now taxpayers are paying 100% of the costs. There's no conversation about these companies, Exxon and Chevron, that have made hundreds of billions of dollars of profits and just uh, plan to pass that on to their taxpayers and, in fact, continue well, doing exactly what they've been doing.
0: Don't they pay taxes?
1: They pay taxes in whatever countries they're located around the wor- world, but they're not based on the harm they're causing. They're based on the profits they've made. Uh, so there's a disconnect between the harm that we're suffering and the profits they're making. And that causes them to make poor business decisions that ultimately will harm us all.
0: Let's go to Stuart Muir. He's the CEO of Resource Works, which is a group that represents uh, resource comp- resource interests in BC. Stuart, thanks for coming on. What do you think about this?
2: Thank you. Well, I think right now we have the province of BC going through a process to analyze what do we need to do to deal with the reality of, of climate change in future. That's part of it. Also, Over the long term, making sure the emergency response, the recovery, the preparation, mitigation, that all of that is up to date. So that's a very rational thing for the province of B.C. to be doing. I think their plan is a good one. And now we're talking about it, which is great, too. Um, In terms of the fossil fuel part, I mean, one thing I, I find that this campaign tends to overlook is that fossil fuel companies exist for a reason, which is to supply fuels to citizens so we can go about our business so that uh, people can get to work and school, ambulances go, can go and pick up sick people, we can fly in airplanes, all that kind of thing. That's yeah. what it's about. It's it's not about these sort of evil foreign corporations somehow uh, trying to destroy the planet. Uh, not at all. In fact, the province of BC has been asked to come into these fossil fuel uh, lawsuits and said, you know what, we're going to collaborate and work with the industry to make things better.
1: Okay, Andrew, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone's saying that. I mean, you know, as Stuart says, these companies have acted uh, to make profits uh, and to provide a product that people are looking for. But it's a product right. that doesn't currently reflect the true cost of itself. So, you know, in the same way we've decided as a society that when tobacco companies were knowingly selling a product that was going to cause impacts, that they should pay for some of the costs. The taxpayers shouldn't be paying for 100% of the health care costs. We need well. to start a conversation about, you know, this industry that has known since the 1960s that their products would cause these types of impacts – And not only did not, you know, uh, invest in, in alternatives and started building a society where we were not causing this type of destruction, but actually funded misinformation campaigns and lobbied against action. So, you know, the industry has done exactly what you'd expect someone who is making an awful lot of money from not paying for the cost of their products yeah, to do.
0: Yeah, but I think the comparison with tobacco, though, is not really a fair one, because like when it comes to tobacco, I mean, my dad died from smoking from lung cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, you know, screw the tobacco companies to the wall. Sure, make them, make them pay because the only thing their product's do is just basically addict and kill people but when you talk about oil and gas and fossil fuels what about i mean you're talking about the social costs of climate change what about the benefits the social benefits from oil and gas production over the years in creating a a modern industrial society that we have that has created like the best health care and education systems and social safety net we've seen ever in human history which is largely from the wealth from resource extraction that's created that Right, was, and there's—I mean—you got to admit there's social benefits from fossil fuels. Yeah, there were social
1: benefits to asbestos yeah. too, right? But once the you know, social benefits to to uh, chemicals that destroy the ozone there, but once we realized there was a problem, we started saying, "No, we've got to actually cut back on that. We've got to actually solve this problem." And as long as an industry is making hundreds of billions of dollars of profits and expecting taxpayers to pay the costs, they have no incentive to be part of that solution.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying to you though is. Y- do you also have to be fair about it? Do you also have to factor in the social benefits that have been accrued from fossil fuels? Like, for example, increases in, in agricultural production around the world that have saved, I don't know how many millions of lives or, and, and let people live longer. So yeah, do you, but if do you cost, balance that off. So you balance that off the benefits, right?
1: I mean, be fair. There, I mean, there are benefits. Well, I don't from think we're being unfair. All we're saying is that industry is causing a significant portion of these, contribu- of these costs, and that yeah. if they're not paying for some portion, if it 100% is being paid by taxpayers, we can't afford that in the long run. We need an economy that reflects the true costs of the fossil fuel economy. And if there are still, you know, once we've done that, well, situations where you know, it makes sense to be using fossil fuels the way we have been, then we'll probably do that. But if there well, are situations where, once you factor in the true costs of the fossil fuel economy, it makes more sense. To actually be using renewables and alternatives. That's well, what we I, should be doing.
0: I guess what I'm saying to you is the true cost. You're only looking at one side of the true cost. I mean, you're not factoring in, I think, the benefits. Society from, from does a industry. very
1: good job of factoring in the profits that the fossil fuel companies make. That's why governments continue to
0: I'm not talking about the profits of fossil fuel companies. I'm talking about the social
1: benefits. Yeah, they are quantity. also reflected in our economy. What's not reflected in our economy is, is uh, you know, the fact that wildfires are caused by that. And we've got a fossil fuel economy that only emphasizes the, the benefits. And now you're saying, when I point out that there are costs, you say, I'm ignoring the benefits. No, I mean, society has benefited from the fossil fuel economy, absolutely. That right. doesn't mean they should not be paying any of the costs associated with their products. Just yes. as asbestos companies had to, just as you know the, the, the companies that, that put out products that were perceived to be good at the time, but which had hidden costs, you need to start accounting for those.
2: Stuart Muir, what do you say to all this? You know, it's not a great insight that there are positives and negatives with the use of fossil fuels. And and you look around at what's happening. It it almost sounds here like nothing's happening to improve how we use fossil fuels. But in fact, I see uh, evidence like the carbon pricing, carbon tax in B.C., which we've had for uh, almost a decade, over a decade now, 12 years, I think. We have got the uh, Paris commitments that the government of Canada is buying into. We've got at the municipal level in every community in B.C., they, they all have plans for climate. The collectivity of the municipalities, the UBCM, they've done a lot right. of good work to recognize these issues, advance plans. So the idea that it's somehow being been ignored until the idea of suing fossil fuel companies comes along, it just doesn't stand up. And I think the other thing is, if I may, is that producing... Fossil fuels doesn't, uh, although it contributes to the problem. Obviously, it's the consumption and use of fossil fuels that creates the emissions. And until we look more seriously at the the consumers who use that and give them alternatives and better ways of using those fuels, we're not going to see progress. Well, well, we so, already, we already have, say,
0: and we have we already have a, a a carbon tax in BC too, right? So I mean, the government yeah. has already taken action. To try and curb fossil fuel use with a carbon tax. I mean, do you fa- what about that, Andrew? You th- you well, that's uh, the sufficient? focus
1: of this legislation that we're talking about, we're, we're saying that global fossil fuel companies have caused harm here in BC, so there, have, there has to be an accounting from the global industry. The, um, the carbon tax applies to emissions that occur in B.C., and it's part of the problem. It's actually way too low in terms of making the reductions that we'd, that we'd want B.C. to, to ultimately make, make but it's, it's only a very small portion of the global problem. By talking about the responsibility of Chevron and Exxon and their liability in B.C. courts, you know, we actually send a global message, and we're not just focused on, on you know, a, a tax that applies only to B.C. industry.
0: How is it really possible, though, to make these companies pay? Because I know in, in B.C., they've talked a great game about making the tobacco companies pay and that's been snaking through the court system. It's think, been very, very slow. And I don't know
1: quite, I've asked the, the government whether they could comment on why it's been so slow and they have not responded to that. The fact is it's way slower than most uh, class action lawsuits, but they're in, they're yeah. in settlement negotiations as we speak. I mean, they, you know, they this is it's not that nothing's happening there. And the fact is that, um, you know, when industry starts having to answer questions like this and, and looking court, they, they have to, disclose that to their shareholders. They have to start talking about the true costs of climate change. Um, you know, Exxon turns the idea of providing alternatives to consumers. Exxon h- had a patent on a low-emission vehicle in the 1970s that they never produced, they never made available. Uh, you know, so as, as, as you you know, similarly, similarly, they had patents on solar technology. They had patents on uh, a number of the technologies that we needed available. But because it was more profitable for them to expand their production, that's what they did.
0: Andrew Gage, Stuart Muir are my guests. Bruce in New Westminster. Hi.
2: Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I suppose what makes me think that fossil fuel companies would be liable in a lawsuit is that they knew for a long time that climate change was real, and they had a deliberate campaign of misinformation and denial that they Let they downplayed their own liability there, not only to the average consumer, but also to their own investors.
1: Uh, Andrew, you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I would simply say part of what we're talking about yes and actually, i think they did that because you know that was the profitable thing to do because they felt they could pass those costs on to taxpayers
2: stewart what do you say to that well I, I would just say that there's a judge in new york state who would disagree with that because where this this lawsuit to try to you know, place this type of blame on fossil fuel companies um it, it just hasn't met the tests uh, in other jurisdictions, why would we expect that to happen here? Uh, so but that, that's, that's really not, not correct, story. Well. You know,
1: know it that is, it, it is, is,
2: it is. But what it impels us to do is to to work with each other to recognize the real problems we can solve. The idea that a multinational fossil fuel company should be sued because in Kelowna they need to realign some roads due to wildfire risk or something hypothetical like that is is not a commonsensical uh, type of approach. Let's go to Bill and Richmond, is, Bill. Bill,
0: you snooze, you lose. Mike and West Van, hi.
1: Yeah, hi. Uh, go ahead. I have a question for uh, Andrew, uh, and that's, or, or uh, I would like to hear his reply. Is that basically? Uh, I think before we move any farther, is uh, the onus is on somebody like you to prove that carbon dioxide is a problem. Oh, Currently, okay. there is yeah. no empirical evidence that says that carbon dioxide does what it does. Okay, before we go, before we get, yeah,
0: before we like go down respond. that rabbit hole, go I ahead. Actually, I
1: actually would like to respond to it briefly, though. Okay, because. go ahead. Go though, ahead. There was, you know, this, Chevron was one of the companies that was sued in the United States. And the judge of the day, day in, that, in that case, asked for a climate tutorial, asked the fossil fuel companies to say what they thought the science was. And Chevron, representing the five fossil fuel companies who were sued in that case, pointed to the, the science of the, independ- the Intergovernmental climate, uh, Panel on Climate Change and agreed with all of it. There was no dispute from the fossil fuel companies that... that, that carbon dioxide was uh, the leading cause of of climate change and that their products were largely responsible. What they contested was whether or not they should be liable as a result. But the science was not in dispute because it's accepted by scientists that work for fossil fuel companies.
0: I think the question is, you know, whether we debate the science on it, I mean, the debate's been going on for a long time, but I, th- I think the question is, with your idea to make, to recover these costs from fossil fuel companies, is that even realistic or, or viable? Uh, because it just seems to me that they can't even get money out of the tobacco companies here in BC, which is, a, in, in my estimation, a, a slam dunk case. So if you have a case like this, which I think is a lot more dubious, I think you would probably just be pouring a lot of, Good money after bad uh, on a legal on a legal case that would cost taxpayers millions of dollars, and you're not going to win it.
1: Well, I mean, I guess you know we've got a letter. There's a letter that was sent by um, law professors from across Canada. I think 25 of them or so, so all endorsing the idea that the government should be looking at these. Uh, these options, uh, you know, the so legal community, the significant percentage of the legal community thinks this type of lawsuit is viable. I mean, are there challenges to doing it? You know, will, will the fossil fuel companies fight aggressively? Of course they will. But at the end of the day, if we don't have, start having this conversation, if we don't start looking at this legislation, yeah. looking at the potential for litigation, then we've got tens of billions of dollars of, of costs, maybe more, that British East Columbia communities are going to be facing. And we will be paying 100% of that as taxpayers. Stewart, and I guess the question is, do we really want, can we really afford that? What do, what do we have to give up to start, you know, dealing with wildfires yeah. of 2017, 2018, ilk that happen every like five years.
2: Just got a minute left, you know, Stuart Muir. The BC Environment Minister, I saw him speak a couple of days, George Heyman, used to be head of the Sierra Club, a bona fide environmental organization. I, I've seen at least two letters he's written to municipalities about this through the oh. fossil fuel companies campaign. And he's a practical environmentalist, and he's the one saying, no, we're not going to do that because that's not a solution for us. We are going to collaborate with industry because that's where the solutions lie. So let's work in the solution space. Reasonable people know this, and that's where we need to be.
1: I, I, think, I mean, we, we know that 80%, 70, 75% of British climate support the idea that fossil fuel companies should pay some share of these costs. Uh, you know, question about right. what is that share, but the, this is widely supported. Guys,
0: well, thank they're, you they're for already, coming. They're
2: already doing yeah. that.
0: Gentlemen, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. We're out of time, but I appreciate both of you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Okay, you bet. That's Andrew Gage. He is a lawyer with West Coast Environmental Law. Stuart Muir, he is the CEO of Resource Works.